Sanctuary walking us into episode 34, 211's Baseball Talk. Dylan Baker here alongside Chris Baker. And let's get right into things. This is what we have for you guys today. We'll begin with Lourdes Goriel's tear. No, not a tear, torn anything in his body. The tear that he has been on offensively. Uh, we'll talk about the MLB All-Star voting. Uh, when and where does Marcus Stroman go? Um, Giancarlo Stanton's out till at least August. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll wrap things up with Bo Bichette. Chris, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Dylan? I am phenomenal. So let's get right into things. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was demoted to AAA Buffalo a few weeks ago with his defense and offense both steadily being terrible. Um, Gurriel went down and came back up and has been on a tear since. He leads all outfielders in outfield assists and has been hitting above 300 since his return with, I believe, 10 home runs. What do you think has led to all of his success so far? Uh, well, I think that he certainly took his demotion seriously. And, you know, he went down there and, and, and all the broadcasters that we've sort of listened to over the last few weeks during his recent success have said he went down there and, and really worked hard, worked hard at his defense, worked hard at his, uh, at his hitting, although his hitting was pretty good even when he left. But uh, obviously the defense had a lot to uh, be desired. And to see him come back and to work in left field as well as he has, virtually leading the major leagues in outfield assists after only 30 games out there, that's incredible. I mean, that is incredible. And, and people will learn not to run on him, and that pace of outfield assists will slow. I think what, what's happened is a lot of teams thought they could run on him because he's an infielder converted to an outfielder and thought, you know, this guy's never going to get us. Well, clearly that's wrong. And now he's almost leading the league, if not still leading the league in outfield assists, which is awesome for him. Shows that his defense is back, which was really the big concern. His bat was never a concern, but it's still coming harder than it was before, and that's just amazing for him. Great. There's nothing to not be impressed about with Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s return. Yeah, looking at the numbers right now, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. sits in fifth place in the uh, league in outfield assists, only behind Leori Garcia, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, and Ramon Laureano. Uh, all of whom have been outfielders for a long time and are very good ones. So he's been tremendous in the outfield defensively. And I think that, that has led to some of his success because when you're not confident on the defensive side of the ball and you don't feel like you can make the plays, that leads into your offense. It's as much as people like to say that some, some guys, it doesn't, it doesn't affect them as much. It does. It affects everyone pretty much equally because it is very tough to struggle out in the field and then all of a sudden be expected to do really, 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 really well at the plate. So, you know what? I think the position change has really worked wonders for Lourdes because when he was in the infield, you could tell something was up. He was throwing balls away. He was bobbling balls. He felt he had lost the the trust of the coaching staff uh, and his pitchers out there, even though Marcus Stroman was super supportive of him. But, he felt that he had lost the confidence of everyone. So maybe changing positions and showing that he can do really well at a different position, such as left field, where we've seen him play all of his games since he has returned, worked wonders for him. And I think that's, that's exactly what happened. I think that had he not switched positions, he would still be struggling at the plate because that, those defensive struggles would have affected him offensively. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they were starting to as well. You could see he was he was having a bit of a drop off after he got to quote unquote the yips playing over at second base. And, and you know, I mean, that happens. It's one of those things. And, and, you know, it was the right thing to do to send him down at the time. And, 
And I think we all knew he'd be back fairly soon. It was just a matter of getting those things sorted out, which he clearly did. The conversion to the outfield has been a huge success. And now he's having success at the plate as well. Yeah, he is. And uh, it's been, it's really been working well for the Jays and for him. He's been tremendous at the plate and on the defensive side of the ball. And he's been a pleasant surprise since he came back up. We are, exactly halfway through the uh, season so far. And you know what? Quick added segment. Thoughts on the first half of the Blue Jays season? Whew. That's a tough one. <laughs> Have we got one. four hours? Because we can, <laughs> we can probably spend four hours absolutely destroying them. I can um, tell you one thing. They're welcoming the Kansas City Royals to town this weekend. They are a game ahead of the Royals in the standings. Well... It's going to be an interesting weekend. And you know what? It's Canada Day Day weekend, and and happy Canada Day, everybody, because obviously our next episode will be post-Canada Day. Yes, happy happy Canada Canada Day Day to all our listeners. Uh, It's it's going to be an interesting weekend because, you know, these are are two teams that are fighting for the bottom. And, uh, you know, the bottom does mean something, unfortunately. Not sure I love the way that that works, but uh, <laughs> but it does mean something in the drafts draft list. But as as I don't know if it was Scott MacArthur who said it, or or it may have been Wilner on one of the broadcasts. But um, you know, really, if you finish in the top five in the draft picks, you're any of those top five could end up being the best prospect out of the draft, right? So, so really, I would hope they're not shooting for the number one pick necessarily, and that just whatever happens happens there. Uh, but, but I mean, the first half of the season has not been good. I mean, I think that's, that's the understatement of the century. Um, you know, we've seen some things that we, we knew were coming, the introduction of Vladdy Jr. I think we all thought we'd see Bo Bichette before we would see Kevin Piscio, but how amazing has Kevin Piscio been? been uh, you know, yeah, for somebody who's, who's just coming up and, and, you know, his plate discipline and his patience at the plate is the biggest thing. You look at his batting average, that's nothing. Just ignore that at this point in time. Um, you know, that'll come around. What he's showing is professionalism at the plate. That's been exciting. So from a first-half perspective, that's a great story. Vladdy's been good. He's, you know, he's a little hot and cold here and there, but he is pretty good. His defense has been a great story. So there are some positive stories, and then there are some atrocious stories, and that is basically one word, pitching. There has been a glut of disgustingness on the pitching front, and, you know, it, I mean, what do you even say about this pitching staff, Dylan? I don't understand anymore. I mean, this is, this is one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball. Uh, they don't make much of an effort to correct it. And, uh, and I, I think the first half story is Aaron Sanchez isn't any good. It's time to maybe think about a bullpen spot for him. Stroman wants out. He's basically telling New York Yankees, come get me. And the rest of the world is kind of just there as far as pitching. There's nobody that stands out. And nobody that stands out as good. They stand out as bad, right? And they stand out as particularly bad, like Jackson, right? So, yeah. You know, and I mean, even young guys like Sean Reed Foley, he has stood out as being terrible. And why he's back in the big leagues and Jordan Romano's back in the minors, I don't understand. I don't care that they have him on some innings limit garbage. I think that he should be in the big leagues and he should keep going because he was one of their better arms in the bullpen. And you know what? If you want to keep developing him, why not do it at the major league level instead of having him at the highest level, sending him back to play with some minor league players, bringing him back to the highest level? That's not working. They did it with Tim Mesa last year. 
Look at what he's doing. Yeah, he can work you multiple innings, and he's decent, but he's not a lights-out reliever, which I believe Jordan Romano has the possibility of being. He should not be going up and down between AAA and the big leagues constantly, and Sean Reed Foley needs to be out of this organization, as is Edwin Jackson. Well, Sean Reed Foley being out of the organization, I think it's a bit of a hard, harsh. Step, no, it's but... not. He can't throw strikes, and he has proven that he cannot start at the big league level. Has he proven that, though? He has. I mean, I mean, I know his starts haven't been good, but you haven't really given him much of a look. I mean, you know, his how much, starts... How much more time are you going to give him? How much well, patience Well, at the end of last year, he wasn't too bad. I mean, he, was, he wasn't yeah, great. Yeah, five ERA was... through 15 starts wasn't too bad. No. <laughs> well... Okay, this year especially he wasn't wasn't very good, and and you know I mean he, he might have you know other things going on there that that are issues, but he he is is somebody who you know has a bit of potential there. I think he's better in the bullpen to be honest. He had a pretty good outing this week uh, coming out of the bullpen, although it sounds like he's going to make a start in this series. And please, for the love of Pete, Jays fans, if he does well in the start against the Kansas City Royals, don't make him our ace, okay? Because he's anybody's going to pitch well against the Kansas City Royals for the most part. And actually, if he gets blown out from KC, then, Dylan, we're going with your opinion on this one because if he gets blown out by KC this weekend, then we know he's, not, uh, he's definitely not showing he's a starter. Can he fit, fit in the bullpen? Yeah, I believe he probably could. I don't know about out of the organization, but um, but certainly you know it's he's finding it tougher to find a place, and, which is ridiculous when you consider there's no pitching in this organization. The fact that he's finding it tough to find a place in an organization that is atrocious in pitching is a pretty sad story. But there's that's what it is right now. Well, you know what? I might be I might be saying this because. MLB Pipeline has been leading us on for years about this guy. He's been such a highly touted prospect by MLB Pipeline. And you know what? You look at the Jays' top 30 this year. I'm pulling it up right now. He is in the top 10. He is, uh, I believe, one second here. I've just got to pull it up. He is there. He's their seventh-ranked prospect. And if you're telling me that this is our seventh-ranked prospect, we've got a problem in the system. Coming into the season, he was ranked higher than Kevin Biggio. And a guy who was ranked higher than Kevin Biggio should not be this terrible at the major league level. And it might be he might be a good ball player. I might be overreacting. But how can someone's evaluation by the best analysts, prospect analysts in the world – be so high and he comes up to the big leagues and looks like he's never played a game before. Like how does someone go from being in the top 10 of one of the better farm systems, baseball's prospect list to being this, what happened there? Well, you know, I mean, prospects are cool. Parades are cooler. Casey Sterb says it all the time, and, and that's part of the reason because you, you don't really know how a prospect's going to hit or if they're going to hit properly in the major leagues. And, and it's, you know, I mean, this is just maybe one of those cases where he's not a major league baseball player. He could be a 4A player, although he's not showing great things in AAA either. But, uh, but maybe he's, he's a 
typical double A player for the rest of his career. Who knows? But I mean, there's potential for sure. There's upside, as Ross Atkins always likes to say. And there's upside uh, with everything. There's upside with the bottom of his pizza that he ordered last night. <laughs> well, I suppose that's true. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know the answer to that, and I guess we'll we'll find out over the coming weeks because there's so little pitching depth in this team. Um, but it, it's an interesting story to watch this pitching staff right now. Yeah, it most certainly is. And uh, another area they don't have very many prospects is the outfield. However, right now in single at Lansing, he's still quite a few years away. But a quick little shout out to Griffin Conine, who this year in Lansing is batting three eighteen. 394 on base percentage, a 468 batting average on balls in play. Hit another home run just yesterday. He is a great young ball player in Lansing. And yes, he's not going to be here for a few more years. That It's going to take some time. But you know what? He's a guy that you can look forward to and uh, hopefully you'll hear more of in the coming years. And another guy who's just getting his start this season, after an injury, is TJ Zoik, who's in AAA Buffalo and had a marvelous first outing going six scoreless, two-hit innings uh, in AAA Buffalo. I expect him to be back, hopefully, by the end of the year, and he will look to make an impact on this Blue Jays pitching staff, which is very thin. And by the time Zoik comes up to the big leagues, hopefully we will see either Nate Pearson or Yenzi Diaz in AAA Buffalo as well. Shifting over to a more or to a wider focus, uh, in the MLB, the All-Star voting. The All-Star has been announced for, the, uh, for this year, and no shocker, Mike Chart led in votes, and this is a starter yet again. But there was a bit of a problem this year, in my mind. The MLB created a new voting system where they have finalists at each position. This year, Aaron Judge has only played 25 games, yet he was an outfielding finalist and came within 1% of getting into the All-Star game. So, is there a problem with the All-Star voting? Or is a popularity contest also okay? I think a popularity contest isn't a bad thing. It never has been as far as an all-star game is concerned. Um, you know you know that, that that judge is likely going to perform well in the all-star game. Um, if you know, he goes, he didn't, he didn't make the starters. He came within 1% of being a starter. Yeah, and he likely won't go then because my guess would be a manager's not going to pick him based on what you said originally. So... Uh, you know, having only played those games, there's going to be more deserving people out there, right? And and a manager who's making those final picks is going to probably not pick him. But had he made the squad, it's like Derek Jeter making it a couple of years and stuff without really having the greatest stats at shortstop. You know, it, it is a bit of a popular popularity contest with fans, but that's okay because fans are involved. And in a day and age where, uh, you know, Baseball really needs to try and connect with its fans. I think that's okay. If the managers were doing it, that's a different story because if deserving people with managers who have the knowledge they have and the background that they have were getting missed just because of popularity, then I have a problem with it. But if fans are doing it as a popularity contest, no issue there because you want the fans involved. Fans have their favorite players, and if that's who they voted for, that's who they voted for. But listen, the All-Star game is supposed to be a game with the best players involved, the All-Stars. And two guys I really look at here, Brian McCann, who was a finalist. The guy, if I saw his average correctly yesterday, is batting a buck 93. Yeah, so what's... And he, was, and he was in second place. Hunter Dozier is on a tear right now in Kansas City. He's been probably their best player. And I know that's not very hard to do, 
on a team like the Royals, but he has had an all-star season, and he came in second to Alex Bregman at third base. These guys are the best players in baseball, and Alex Bregman is a phenomenal talent, and he's going to win an MVP in his career. I am certain of it. But this year, I think Hunter Dozier has been the better ball player. So Hunter Dozier didn't get the didn't get the nod because no one knows who Hunter Dozier is. Everyone knows who Alex Bregman is. No one has a clue who Hunter Dozier is. So I have a problem with it because these guys who are supposed to be all-stars, who are supposed to be the best players in baseball, are getting snubbed for guys that come from yeah, a but they're only wealthy being, fan base. But they're only being snubbed as a starter. You know the managers are going to rectify the situation and still bring them anyway. And and maybe if that starter, whomever it is, like a McCann, for example, you said he didn't make it, but um, you know, let's say he had, you know, you're only going to put him in there one or two innings. Then in that case, and you're going to take out, take him out, and put the actual all star in after that. I mean, really, the popularity contest only counts towards starting, which is still unfair to a certain degree. I agree with you, but at the same time. You know, the managers will rectify the situation by bringing those people who really do have the stats and potentially even play them longer. Yeah, I guess. And you're right. It technically all evens out. But uh, Tommy LaSalle, I feel, got snubbed. And why do I want this guy to participate in the home run derby? Why is it that in 2019 (laughs) I'm asking for Tommy LaSalle? Tommy LaSalle to participate in the home run. A guy, a guy, has, a guy has 16 home runs this season for the Angels. His previous career high was three. I don't care about the drug test. Don't give him a drug test. This guy's entertaining. Um, I want to see him in the home run derby. And he got snubbed in the all-star voting. He finished third in all-star voting behind Jose Altuve and DJ LeMahieu. And no knocks on Jose Altuve. But Tommy LaStella, he's having a better season than Jose Altuve. So, Lostella should have at least been in second place. DJ LeMahieu ended up getting the nod at second. And you know what? I agree with that. LeMahieu has been the better ball player all season. Um, but Altuve is not having a better year than Tommy Lostella. So, why is Lostella finishing third while Altuve is finishing second? That just makes me mad because the best players should be starting. But you know what? Like you said, the MLB needs to be more in touch with its fans. And it's a good way to do that. They allow them to vote for their favorite players. So, you know what? I guess there is no problem with it. Moving on to a Blue Jay with the rumors. Well, the rumors have been swirling, and you can't help but notice them. Um, So how long does it take for Kawhi to stay? I'm joking. (laughs) I'm joking. But when do you think we see, by the way, was wearing a Blue Jays uh, jersey, apparently, in his wherever he is. Not apparently. He was he was wearing a Blue Jays jersey in Barbados today. And Lenny Dykstra. I don't know if that name rings a bell for a lot of Blue Jays fans. I don't know if our younger audience will know who Lenny Dykstra is. If you don't, he participated in the 1993 World Series as a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. He was he basically a Neanderthal. Uh, I or was that John Cruck? No, that was John Cruck. John a Cruck lot. was a Neanderthal. All I knew is that half of that team wanted to smash skulls with coconuts. <laughs> and that's, uh, yeah, I don't, rem- I don't remember which one specifically. But there was a lot of Philadelphia Phillies on that team you would not want to meet anywhere in public. Yeah, and Lenny Dykstra was one of them. He was a shorter guy, but he was. He was jacked. And uh, at least he didn't get into some odd things like his teammate on that team, Kurt Schilling, did. But Lenny Dykstra was furious for no apparent reason uh, today, seeing that the Blue Jays had 
someone representing them in the Kawhi in in Kawhi Leonard who was wearing the Jays jersey today. He was furious, and I was so confused. Anyway, off of the Kawhi tangent. Um, wait a minute, though. Why, wait a minute. Why was he furious? I don't know. He's saying he was talking about. Uh, I, I've got to see if I can find the tweet here. He was replying to someone, and he was just going off about losing a World Series or uh, playoff or Finals MVP. Blah 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 blah. Um, here I'm trying to find it. Apparently, he tweets a lot. He was saying. Anyway, he was saying something about losing an NBA Finals or a Finals MVP. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, So someone tweets, in Barbados in a Blue Jays jersey, this man's playing with us with Kawhi in Barbados. He says, someone says he's repping his kingdom, and then he says, not cool. Expletive the Blue Jays, especially Joe Carter. Yeah, I'll bet it's nice at Kawhi Leonard not to have your Finals World Series MVP usurped from your grasp i wouldn't know so he's basically saying that he he deserved the world series mvp and he is jealous of Kawhi leonard if i understood that tweet right because he was on some kind of whack last night or whenever (laughs) he tweeted this because that that i couldn't i couldn't follow but he knows how the world series mvp works he's like come on that's just silly and you know, you're not going to win World Series MVP unless you were super lights out if your team lost. And he wasn't. I mean, I don't even remember anything he did that you know, World Series other than maybe eat puppies. But he, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know what else he did. I, I don't, I mean, Lenny Dykstra. I mean, that whole team was just a bunch of buffoons. And, and it was just, you know, it was awesome to see them win. It was awesome to see them beat them. But... I mean, other than eat puppies, I mean, I don't know what the rest of that team did. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, just ridiculous. Anyway, I know we're not trying to talk Kawhi, but I just thought that was strange that Lenny Dykstra would be making comments like that. Someone replied to Lenny Dykstra and said, MVPs are for winners, Len. He says, I know, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest it probably wasn't my overall performance that cost us the series. So he's throwing shade at his teammate Mitch Williams. Anyway. Anyway, moving on from Lenny Dykstra's saltiness, what, 26 <laughs> years later? Um, he probably Marcus put salt Stroman, on the puppies. That's enough puppy talk. <laughs> um, Marcus Stroman has had rumors swirling around him about him being traded. When do you think we'll see Marcus Stroman go? It's not a matter of whether we'll see Marcus Stroman go or not. He's, he's going to be traded, and he understands that. He's been very mature in understanding the situation, so when do you think we'll see Marcus Stroman go, and where is that place? Well, I mean, he's, he's certainly, you know, half of the reason that he's sitting there trolling the Blue Jays and saying, you know, that they haven't offered me anything and so on and so forth is because he wants to put that out there. He wants to be traded. I mean, he's doing it without asking to be traded, essentially, and... You know, he's asking because of the way he's putting all of this stuff in his comments and basically daring the Yankees to come and trade for him. Uh, you know, it, it's it's going to happen uh, probably sooner than later, although I get the sense that Atkins and Shapiro don't really care about this season. So if he's creating a 
terrible atmosphere. They may wait to the deadline to try and get the absolute best offer and not worry about the terrible atmosphere he's creating. I don't know. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough one because if you're in a position where you really want to have a better atmosphere, you get rid of him now. Uh, I don't see Atkins as somebody who really gives a crap about that. And, um, you know, it's, it's really sad because I think, you know, they're taking their time in some areas and they're rushing in other areas. And it's just, I don't know that they've performed this entire rebuild correctly. Um, but it, it is ongoing and, you know, there are superstars potentially coming, but, uh, I think, you know, it. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it go all the way to the deadline with Strowman. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll go sooner than that, a little bit sooner, not, not, uh, not too soon. But I think he's going to go before the deadline and a destination. I'm going to go off on a limb here and say the Angels because they're going to want to win now with Albert Pujols and the whole bunch. And obviously the AL West is a tightly contested division, but Marcus Stroman can put them over the top because they have a starting rotation that is inconsistent at best. So I think maybe we see Marcus Stroman go to the angels and maybe they're fine with offering up their second or third prospect, which she, which seems to be uh, uh, a rumor swirling around that he could, Go to the Angels. Do you have a destination that you think Marcus Stroman will be headed to? Well, I'm surprised that uh, that you would pick the Angels. Uh, what's your What are you basing that one on? I'm basing that one on a few. I mean, rumors need obviously, but do you have any rumors or anything that that would? Uh, there have been rumors that I've seen swirling around online, so I'm basing it off of that, and I'm basing it off of people submitting mock trades where you see Marcus Stroman go to the Angels and um, Brandon Marsh, who's their second prospect, or Jemai Jones, who's their third prospect, comes back to the Blue Jays in a one-for-one MLB player for prospect swap type of thing, and that's because of the rumors that have been swirling around. But you know what? I have no, no real giant concept to base that on, so... Do you have a destination that you think Marcus Stroman will be off to very soon? Well, I think if the Yankees make the right offer and overpay, I think he's there's certainly an option. He's from the area. I think he'd love to go there. Uh, there's part of me that would love to see him not go there for that reason and just make his, his day. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but that's just part of me. Uh, the other part of me would say that that's probably a very good option by going to the Yankees because in, in division, they're probably going to pay more than uh, anybody else. Um, but I could see, you know, I could see the Houston Astros a little bit. Uh, they're already good, but I could see them potentially filling up their rotation even more with him. Um I, I don't know that you would see too many other suitors and that's, that could be the challenge too is, is, you know, who else is really in play here and, and that might affect the return. I'm not sure. It's tough. It's a tough call. It is a very tough call. You know what? It'll be interesting to see where Stroman goes because it's going to be tough to say goodbye, but Marcus Stroman is in his final season as a blue Jay. And that's something, we have to face because it is true. And he's not, not going to be here by the time August 1st rolls around. Um, 
moving on, we'll skip over the Giancarlo Stanton story because it's 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 nothing really. We'll go to Bo Bichette, who is tearing up the minor leagues right now since returning from that broken hand. And it's only a matter of time before he takes the big leagues by storm as well. Unfortunately, he has not yet received the call. We were hoping and expecting him to be up this weekend, but so far, being at 10.28 p.m. on Thursday, June 27th, 2019, there has been nothing. He's also holding up the spot of Forest Wall in AAA Buffalo. Or from, they're holding, he's clogging the roster spot in AAA, which is not allowing Forest Wall to move up, which we expect to happen. Once Bo Bichette goes to the big leagues, Forest Wall will get up to AAA. When do you think we see Bo Bichette if it's not this weekend? Well, I, I think, you know, I mean, he, he was 0 for 4 today, but uh, with two strikeouts and left five runners on the base, on bags. But, uh, but I mean, he has been good, and, and he is, you know, back. I mean, he's batting 294 at the moment, 834 OPS, and, and, and you know, he's coming. He's coming, for sure. And I think we'll see him. Uh, I, I mean, we still may see the call in the morning. Obviously, they had today off. Um, and Buffalo is not far from Toronto, and they are back home. So entirely possible this call is still made tomorrow. Um, but the, at the same time, you know, it could be when they go back on the road as well. Either way, I think he's close. Uh, and, you know, the challenge here is, and it, and it goes back to a comment you made a few episodes ago, you know, there's the potential that three superstars may hit free agency at the same time. And with Buffalo playing well, you know, the temptation may be, because Buffalo's now 39 and 38, uh, the temptation may be to leave him down there and experience winning for a little while. Um, but, but hasn't he uh, experienced winning in Dunedin and New Hampshire the last two he years? He has. He has. But, I mean, Buffalo, of course, being that next level up, there's a potential. And I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. I'm just saying that is a potential. Um, and then, you know, the other potential is, because my belief is, one, if not two, of those three superstars in Biggio, Bichette, and Guerrero will be extended anyway, and they won't hit free agency at the same time. I would expect to see him within the next week or two. To be honest, that's my, that's my actual expectation is within the next week or two, potentially even still tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, but, I mean, again, you know, there's an argument for him to stay down there and win with the Buffalo Bisons. Yeah, first off, I wanted to clarify that I did not make that point. I reiterated the point that Dan Schulman made when I got the chance to interview him a few weeks back. And uh, it, it, was, he, it was him that said uh, that they could all hit free agency at the same time. Um, listen, I think that they could send him out when they hit the road again, which would be after the All-Star break. They're in New York, so maybe he just goes from Buffalo to the Bronx. Uh, that is certainly a possibility. But listen, I think that he should come up this weekend. It's it's Canada Day weekend. They, they're they having giveaways. They've got the Gritchick Randall, which uh, looks nothing like Randall <laughs> Gritchick. It's true. It's uh, true. Being it's, given away tomorrow. And it's actually hat, terrifying. It is petrifying. And a hat on Canada Day. Um, and it's for the first 20,000 fans. They'd be lucky if they get 20,000 fans tomorrow night, I understand it's a Friday, but does anyone want to see a 29 and 52 baseball team? No. Um, and Canada Day, I'm sure they'll get over 20,000 fans, 
but it's they not going to be the 50,000 we used to see every Canada day. So yeah. I think Bobochet is a wonderful reason to have more fans come out and see the future because now you have an infield with Kevin Biggio, Bobochet, and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. in the big leagues already. You just need pitching that is not complete horse manure, and you could have a winner. You need outfielding that, that can that can be sustainable, sustainable outfielders, and Goriel seems to fit that prototype. And uh, he's obviously not going to hit 336 for the rest of his career with 10 home runs every 30 games. That would be wonderful, but it's just not going to happen. So he seems to be a decent outfielder, though, so hopefully he can be that guy. And you need more outfielding prospects, and you need pitching, and then you're set. And I know that sounds like a lot because it is a lot, but right now, you could have three of your key guys for the future in the big leagues, and I don't know any fan that wouldn't want to see that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, Zoics, did TJ ever have a bad day today? Oh, oh, that's not good. <laughs> he gave up five runs. Uh, his ERA is inflated, and we'll just leave it at that. But I expected that he would do better than that. But uh, Well, it's a second start in AAA, pitching AA all of last year. This has been episode 34 of 211's Baseball Talk. What a wonderful segue as we head to the end of our episode. Pleasure. Happy Canada Day. In. Happy Canada Day. If you can make it out to the ball game, make sure you get that hat and not the Gritchick Randall, which comes alive every <laughs> night. For Chris That's Baker, hilarious. I am Dylan Baker. We'll see you all next Thursday.